0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So, um, God willing, today we're going to continue our series about the Ten Commandments. We've been discussing the Fifth Commandment. Does anyone remember what the Fifth Commandment is? Uh, honor your father and mother. Good. And so, last time we we had ended discussing a few points uh, about how is it that we honor our father and mother. Um, and the first point we mentioned was, uh, here, let's just review. Uh, we, we said to live wisely. The, the 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 child who grows up to be an adult who makes good decisions, is um is 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 like a joy for the parents to see them grow and thrive and prosper and and be wise and successful. This is uh, one of the ways that we honor our parents. Uh, another one is gratitude for all the things that they have done for us in our life. And we mentioned that even um, the imperfections that are in our parents, we have to balance them along with the good things that they have done and if we balance the good things with the bad we'll still find that there are many many good things that we should be thankful for for our parents Um, we also spoke about support whatever the needs of our parents are Um, just as they supported us as children and gave us um, our needs we should also be supporting them especially as they begin to get older Um, and then we also spoke about love and respect and how there's different ways that we can Uh, show love and respect to our kids. And I'm just going to continue along that, giving another example. Um, King Solomon was an example of someone who showed love and respect um, to his mother. So even though uh, King Solomon was a king, of course, so the highest ranking on on all of Israel, uh, but he still had respect for his mother. Um, so, so here uh, in 1 Kings 2.19, it says, Bathsheba therefore, ba- so Bathsheba is the mother of Solomon. Bathsheba therefore went to King Solomon to speak uh, to, to speak to him for Adonijah. And the king rose up to meet her and bowed down to her and sat down on his throne and had a throne set for the king's mother. So she sat at his right hand. So we see that even though he was the king and all people would bow down to him, and yet when he saw his mother come in, he is the one who bowed down to her. And the reason, again, is because he showed great gratitude for her as the one who nursed him, the one who bore him, as the one who raised him. Um, and so, of course, this is another way of showing love and respect. Um, also, um, obedience and submission is another way that we honor our parents. So um, to, to honor the parents means like that we acknowledge that they are of a higher rank and status and worthy of dignity. And this is something that is really lost on the generation of today here in the West, um, the idea of obedience and submission. Um, you know, you'll find like kids, they're calling their parents by their first names, um, which, which you know, someone might question, it's like, well, what's really wrong with that? Calling my parents by, my fir- by their first name. What it, what it does is it places the, in the mind of the child, it places the child at the same level as the parent, okay? So it's saying, um, I am just like you, right? My opinion is just like your opinion. My desires are just like your desires. My will is just as important as your will, right? And so what it does actually is it cancels one of the means of grace that God has given to us. Maybe this is a strange way of putting it. Last time we spoke about how one of the vessels, one of the means, the channels of God's love to us is through our parents, right? He gives us our parents from obviously very young age to be a means of grace, to be a means of support to be a means of love we actually learn about the love of god first through the love of our parents without our parents none of us could survive right they 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 support us physically emotionally mentally in so many ways they support us again it doesn't mean that all parents are perfect and do everything right but that is the 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 the, the function of the parent right so one of the means that which god bestows upon us his love and his goodness and the good things that we receive is through our parents right so when we see ourselves to be of equal rank and equal status as our parents, right? Then essentially we are saying you are no better than me. And if you are no better than me, that means I can very easily ignore your opinion, very easily ignore your commandment, very easily ignore your economy. I I I can just ignore anything it's up to me. I decide for myself because I'm I want to be autonomous and I can choose for myself as an independent person what I will accept from you and what I will reject. Um and 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 so so God, who is working through our parents for our good, because obviously our parents have greater experience in the world than the the children, right? And they are working for our good, right? I lose out on that blessing because I place myself to be of the same rank and status as the parent. And so all throughout the scripture, it's very clear that, that the children, even adult children, look at their parents as being worthy of dignity and honor, and they submit to them right? They are seeking their blessing. Like in the example of Jacob and Esau, you know, both of them are like quarreling, wanting the blessing of Isaac, their father. You I think nowadays if something like this happened, like nobody would care. Like who who cares about the blessing of my father? Like, like, is it really going to impart anything to me or add anything to me? Right? Whereas you saw, they they recognized that God had given their father this blessing that, that, that he was going to impart on them. And they both sought after it. They both wanted it. doesn't mean that they sought after it the right way. like Jacob deceived his father to receive it. But he still cared about the blessing itself. He saw that his father had something that was worthy of honor. And he wanted to receive it for himself. So submission and obedience to parents is something that's very important. And it also teaches us submission to God. Right? When we learn to submit to a human being that we see in front of us, we can then also learn how to submit to God. And actually, God called us to submit not only to our parents, but even to the other authorities that are, have authority over us. Right, Even the government, God t- called us to submit. Even he spoke to those people who were slaves at the time. And he said, even though you, know, you, are, you are slaves, but still the, the Christian thing to do is to submit to your masters. And he said, not even to the kind and the gentle, but even to the harsh right? The, 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 the lesson of submission in itself, the virtue of submission itself is something very important that God wants us to learn in whatever place in life that we are, whether, whether we are, um, you know, speaking about parents or work or whatever it is um, that we submit. Um, this does not mean that the parents are always right. And this is another thing that maybe also in our modern day culture, we, we, we misunderstand. Submission is not a function of whether the parents are right. Submission is a characteristic of the relationship, right? It's a, sub, it's a characteristic of the relationship. Meaning even when you are wrong, as long as you are not telling me to do something that is against the commandments of God, I will submit even if I don't agree. And, and one of the reasons this is important is because many times as children, children don't understand the wisdom of the parents. And they might disagree a lot. That might disagree about a lot of things. Why is it that you want me to be home before a certain time? Well, maybe you don't understand the kind of dangers that exist uh, out out there after a certain time, and I want you to be safe. Child doesn't understand this. They disagree with it. Can the child at that point just say, well, because I disagree, I'm just going to do my own thing? Well, they're harming themselves, right? This isn't about control. This is about love. It's about that I love you, and because you do not yet understand the dangers that exist in the world. You do not yet understand the effect that your decisions make. You do not yet understand. So I am helping guide you to make those decisions. Now, of course, as a child grows, parents should be giving them more and more autonomy so they can begin to exercise their own decision-making process and um, even experience the consequences of bad decisions themselves. This is a part of good parenting. But the idea that the parents have authority over the children to to tell them what are the rules that they need to follow, this is something very clear in Scripture and as part of the honoring the parents in in, in obedience and submission, even when the parents are not always right, right? Because the principle is still right. The principle is still good. Um, We follow, for instance, our employers whenever we don't agree with them. Why? Maybe because we're afraid of being fired, right? How much more then should we follow our parents not because we're afraid of being rejected by them but out of love maybe actually we find one of a kind of a reality that we find is that sometimes we treat strangers with more respect than we do our own family maybe because we believe that when we are with strangers or with other people like we have to appear a certain way we have to you know we don't want people to judge us as being bad in whatever way or if i'm at work um, i have to be a good employee I, I wouldn't just go and curse my boss right because there's consequences to doing such things but maybe when it comes to my own family, maybe I will curse them, right? Maybe maybe, maybe I because I feel like, like this person is so close to me, I treat them not with the obedience and the respect that they deserve, but I treat them as just like this casual relationship that I, I'm not really investing in. I'm not really showing love in it. I'm just kind of like treating you kind of, I, I know you're not going to reject me in the end, right? Many children believe like that my parents are not going to reject me, so I can treat them however I want. Right? And this, of course, is not the spirit of obedience and submission. Um, this does not mean that adult children are not independent and should make their own choices. Right? For adults, to su- submission does not mean to follow the instructions of the parents but to take their opinion into account and always discuss things with them in a respectful and compassionate way. So this is an important point because people will ask, well, so as an adult, what, what does it look like for me to submit to my parents? you know like if my parents tell me you must live in a certain city or you must work in a certain job or you must do a certain thing does that mean that as an adult child i am obliged to do everything that my parents say exactly and the answer is no no because the, the, the being obedient and submission and submitting to our parents as an adult right doesn't exactly the same as as, as a child right um as an adult, we take the, the experience of our parents into account, we treat them with compassion and love and gentleness, and we take their guidance and we want to hear it from them, we give them the opportunity to speak and tell us what it is that they think that we should be doing, but in the end we are accountable before God to make our own choices right? And maybe our parents don't have a full picture. Maybe they don't understand all of the different things that now as an adult that I have been given the authority to make choices for myself as an independent person. So obedience and submission for adults doesn't look exactly the same, but it still has the same spirit of kindness and gentleness and care that I am respecting you Yes, I maybe disagree with your, with your opinion and, and I'm not going to do exactly what you are saying, but I care about your opinion and I take it into consideration and I really say, is God speaking to me through the mouth of my parents when they are telling me something? Is it that they are actually telling me what is wise and maybe I'm being foolish and wanting to make a different choice? And I seriously consider it, but maybe in the end I conclude that, no, I think the choice that I'm making for myself is a better one and I will do it, right? Keep in mind also that as adult children, it's those who have families, right? You are making decisions not just for yourself, but your decisions are affecting your families, right? And this is one of the problems that can happen after people get married. Like you can have a person, maybe a young person, who their parents have a very strong influence on them, and then when they get married, now they are they are responsible for another family, but the parents still have that strong influence. And will cause problems because then the, the spouse of that adult child is gonna think that, you know, your parents are dictating for us what is it we should do and what is it that we should not do. And we don't have a we don't have autonomy, right? There's too much influence from your parents, right? This is a common thing that happens sometimes in marriage, especially at the beginning of marriage. Um, so it's important to develop those healthy boundaries, but even as we are developing the boundaries, we're developing developing them in a respectful way. Right? How is it that we can communicate to the parents, like we love you and we care about you, but we have chosen to go a different direction maybe than than what it is that you are asking us to do. Maybe the greatest example of obedience and submission to parents is Christ himself, who is God, who is omnipotent. Okay, And it says about him in Luke 2.51, Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. He was subject to them. Imagine all the times that Christ submitted to his parents, even though his parents didn't understand and they didn't do the right thing. They didn't know the future. They made choices that turned out not to be the best choice, just like any human being. I'm not speaking about sinful things. I'm just speaking about normal, common decisions that a person would make in their life, right? Not knowing the future. You know, imagine if we knew the future, how that would change some of the decisions that we would make. And yet Christ was subject to them knowing for a fact what would happen knowing for a fact how he his knowledge was greater than their knowledge right he he his abilities were greater than their abilities you know now when we think about like children who think themselves better than their parents even though they're not and they're refusing to obey their parents cuz like in their stubbornness they say you know what you don't know everything and you don't understand and i'm better than you right imagine how much more that could have been for christ who um, who, who was, was uh, can you get me uh, who is God, right? Um, this is the same person, Jesus. It was said about him that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. Can you imagine like this person right at his name, every knee should bow those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and yet he chose to be subject to his parents. He chose to submit to them, right. So he gives us this great, great example of this commandment and how we follow it. So again, being subject and honoring the parents has nothing to do with if the parents are right or wrong. It is a characteristic of the relationship that God gave us to be subject to the parents. The same way with the church. Because some people, they will think in their mind, well, I disagree with what the church is saying. right? I disagree with the clergy are teaching i disagree with the economy of the bishop i disagree and so i give it to myself the authority to go my own way i because i disagree i'm gonna do my own thing i'm not gonna submit to what the church says okay even in the case when let's say the clergyman is saying something that and again i'm not talking about dogma of or theology Mm -hmm. i'm just speaking about like certain decisions that are made and people come and they say, well, there could have been a better choice made. Even in the cases where there really could have been a better choice made, what is the outcome of, of the disobedience and the lack of submission? Well, in the end, it causes division in the church, right? It causes division because if everyone were to take it upon themselves to do what they think is the best thing, well, then no one would agree, right? And there would be different factions. And this is what happened in the church of Corinth, And when St. Paul was speaking to the Corinthians, he said, some of you are following Paul, some of you are following Apollos, some of you are following Peter, some of you are following Christ. And there are all these factions because people didn't agree on what is it that they should do, and everyone picked for themselves the teacher that they wanted to follow, and they said, I will follow this person, right? Whereas the spirit of obedience in the church is the church comes and declares something. And maybe, like, what the church is declaring so we are Coptic Orthodox, so we follow the Coptic Orthodox patriarch, right? Maybe there are other uh, Orthodox churches that have different patriarchs. Maybe they have different system, right? Like we have, for instance, a certain fasting rule. Uh, other churches have different fasting rules, some more and some less, right? Um, just like you could have a kid who grew up in a family where his bedtime was 9 p.m., you know? Another kid down the street... His bedtime is 8 p.m. Who is right? Neither one is right. It's just a different way. Each one thinks this is what makes sense for my kid, right? The church is the same. The church can give us kind of canons or rules that that the church believes is for our in our best interest. So it's not about right and wrong. Maybe some of us think this is unnecessary, or some of us think maybe a different rule would have been better. But in the end, there's nothing wrong with expressing our opinion. But in the end, we submit, and we submit with joy, right? Because there is a way to submit with with joy and with contentment and with trust, even though I disagree, but I trust. I disagree with what the church is saying, but I trust that the church who has existed for 2,000 years, even in the midst of all kinds of persecution, I trust that the Holy Spirit works in the church. And if this is what i'm being asked to do in my situation now i will do it i will happily submit to it versus the person who is going to submit but they submit with grumbling they submit with gossip they submit with complaints they submit with like 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 murmurings right um or not submitting at all right so this is part of this principle so god is very much hierarchical the church is hierarchical meaning there are certain certain order of things right And the only way you can maintain peace and and avoid division is not that we are going to decide things based on what's a good idea and what's a bad idea. Because all of us are going to have different opinion of what's a good idea and what's a bad idea. No one's going to agree on what is good and bad. And there's nothing wrong with having debate about it. We can talk about it. But in the end, God said, here is the order and the hierarchy of authority, right? And so we follow the authority, and this is a guarantee against schism against division against chaos right and so yeah maybe we are in a family that is very strict and we have to go to bed at 7 p.m. and maybe someone else is in a family that's not so strict you can go to bed at n- midnight okay but in both cases right it should be that that system is made for the well-being of, of the people and we find ourselves here okay so just like a child who's unhappy with their bedtime is not going to leave the house and go to the neighbor's house and say, can I be your kid instead because they want to go to sleep later, right? We say, okay, this is this is what God has was has allowed for me, and I make the best use of it. And I say, God, how can I benefit from this system? And maybe and to pray and ask God, God, show me the wisdom of the system. Show me the wisdom. Like when we speak about you know, when we're getting ready to fast for 55 days, I spoke in the sermon about many different types of attitudes that people could have toward the fasting. You know, that we should ask God, God, give me a good attitude toward fasting. Help me to understand it and help me to participate in it and help me to benefit from it. Don't let me look at it with grumbling. Don't let me look at it kind of being like upset. Why is it the church is telling me to do this? It seems excessive. No, instead I say, God, help lift up my spirit so that this becomes joyful. So this becomes something that I enjoy doing. But even if I'm not yet at the point where I do it effortlessly, really, because the fast is never going to be effortless, um, to do it with the right heart and the right spirit and a spirit of submission, I will submit because the church has asked me to do this. So even if I'm not 100% convinced of it, and even if I say, you know, what, is, what benefit am I gaining from this? Tr- trust that there is a benefit, even when we don't know it or see it or identify it or realize it immediately. Right, and I trust that the church understands this. This is something that's important for us to do. So again, this is the spirit, the hierarchy. Right, ultimately God, of course, is at the top of this hierarchy. Right, but God has appointed various people to be responsible for different things. This includes also in the secular world, like our boss at work. My boss at work is um, responsible for the work that I am doing. And it is his, in, in his authority to direct me in what way he wants me to work. And even if that work is kind of ridiculous. I mean, I believe me, as a, as a layman, I was put in many situations in my work where I had to do many ridiculous things. right? Like that I, according to my own understanding, they were kind of ridiculous. There were things that I didn't agree with. There were things that I felt were not the best way, but I was still obliged to do it. And I can't say that I'm without sin and and accepting it joyfully, right? But but in the end, that is all we are called for, right? If I am placed under the authority of someone, whether it be a boss, whether it be the government, whether it be my parents, whether it be the church, whatever it might be, the only way to maintain peace and unity is for this hierarchy to be preserved. Because if each person, again, takes it on themselves to argue and quarrel and fight and divide, then all there will be is chaos and confusion, right? And maybe this is what we see in our society that's causing literally the breakdown of our society now, is because this has been completely lost. It's been lost in families. It's been lost in the government. We don't respect our government officials. I mean, we really don't. And that's not to say that the government officials um, haven't done anything wrong. That's not to say that They are great and wonderful, and we really respect all that they're doing. No, maybe we totally disagree with what they're doing. But there is a difference between disagreeing with their actions versus disrespecting the office, right? Disrespecting the office. I mean, I remember a day when I was a kid when people would look at the president with respect. Say, wow, I I respect the president. I can't even imagine that today. Or who would even think that that's a virtue today? Maybe people would think that that's foolish, right, today. But we see that same spirit playing out in any kind of organization, you know? People disrespect their boss at work, right? People disrespect their parents, people disrespect, right? So the, the part of the way that the devil is attacking our culture, our society, our families, is by injecting this culture of disrespect, lack of obedience, lack of submission, at every level of society, which then causes constant war. Just constant war all the time. Social media is the the kind of like the the means and the channel by which this war is waged. That we see constant disobedience and disrespect at all levels between all people all the time, right? And so of course you can't have unity. Even the, the premise of having some kind of organization, whether that organization is the church, the family, the government, means that there has to be unity. And again, unity doesn't mean agreement about everything. Those are not the same things right unity means that there is a common goal there is a common respect a common love there is maybe communication that we have with one another but it doesn't mean that we're always going to agree about the final way that we should go but it is submission to the person or group that is ultimately responsible for making those decisions so in the government we ultimately say well we've placed our the authority of the decisions that are going to be made upon the government. Of course, the government sometimes asks us to do things against God's will, against God's command, and I'm not saying that we follow that. But in many ways, we are called to follow. We're called to pay our taxes. We're called to follow the secular laws, right? Um, When it comes to the church, again, there is submission to the church in the family, right? There is submission to the parents who are the ones that God has given authority, right, for us to follow them. We see another example of perfect obedience between Isaac and Abraham, right? Think about Isaac and Abraham. If there was a father who told their child, um, come with me, I'm going to sacrifice you on the altar because God has said that this should be, that I should sacrifice you on the altar. Think about the obedience that Isaac had in that moment, right? Our children today, like they don't even want to go to bed on time You know, they don't want to do the simplest things that we ask them to do. But think about this obedience and submission that Isaac had for him to submit to this, for him to be awake and sitting there on the altar as his father raises the knife, getting ready to slaughter him, right? And at the last moment, of course, Abraham was restrained by the angel from doing so. But this is a perfect example of submission. I'm not saying that our children should be okay with something like this if this were to happen today right but i'm saying it teaches us the spirit of submission that even though you are doing something that makes no sense to me even though you are doing something that i can't comprehend or understand and even seems evil right but i will follow you because i trust who you are if children trusted the parents and of course if the parents are trustworthy right then 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 the children actually are the ones who benefit right the children are the ones who benefit because we are being led in a in a direction that is safe, that is good. Maybe the child's mind is not able to perceive or discern what is that path, that path of wisdom to walk, but the parents should know it and direct their children in that way. Um, Another example is the daughter of of Jephthah who delivered herself to her father to fulfill his vow. This, of course, was a very foolish vow that this judge, Jephthah, made um, where essentially he was going to sacrifice his daughter. It was a very foolish thing, right? But what I want to mention here is his daughter, um, his daughter accepted it. His daughter accepted it from him. Also, there was another group of people called the Rechabites. Okay? Uh, we can just read about them. Um, essentially, what they were was there was this man named Rechab, and he said, all of my lineage, all those who are my descendants, um, we will drink no wine. Uh, uh, and we will live in tents. This is what he decided. And even generations after his, his life, even after he died, generations afterward, they still submitted to the word of their ancestor, and they drank no wine, and they lived in tents. Um, and, and, and this was, again, a, an example of submission. You know, someone could very easily have said, why do we need to follow the instructions of this man that we've never even met generations ago? Why is it we should even follow him? And yet we see in them like that they dwelt in tents, and they obeyed him according to what he said. So what are some of the characteristics of obedience? One is obedience without grumbling. As I mentioned before, sometimes we obey, but with a lot of grumbling. We obey, but with rolling our eyes. Um, We obey, but with passive aggression. We obey, but make it clear that we are really upset, and we find whatever way to communicate that, right? That is not the true obedience or the honoring of the authority, right? Obedience while trusting God. And this is the point, I think, with the idea of obedience and submission. God is the one who rewards. Remember when we said the the in the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother, and then there was a reward. God gives the reward. When God sees our heart as being a heart of submission, God is the one who rewards. Even if the direction we are going even if the thing we were commanded to do is not the best, is not the, the right thing to be done, is not the good choice to be done, but God blesses us because of the spirit of submission, right? So when I am obeying the authority, think of it as I am obeying God. Of course, I'm not talking about obeying things that are against the commands of God, but think about it this way. Whenever I am obeying the authority, it is like I'm obeying God, and from God is the reward, Right? So one thing that we shouldn't do is we shouldn't grumble. Also, characteristic of obedience is promptness, meaning I'm not going to just delay, I'm going to procrastinate, I'm going to do what you said, but after a really long time, I'm going to defer the obedience because I really don't want to do it, right? There should be promptness. You know, I know the story of St. John the Short, who he was... He was writing something on a, on a parchment, and then his spiritual father called his name, right? And so he got up in the middle of writing the letter that he was writing in order to go respond to his spiritual father. Like, he didn't even wait to finish the letter or finish the word that he was writing before he got up from there in order to go and see what his spiritual father wanted. He got up in the middle of the letter, right? Right? Again, it shows this spirit of like a desire to serve and a desire to submit, a desire to listen and obey um, much more than kind of doing our own thing. Um, Another characteristic is obedience in their absence. Obedience in their absence. Meaning the reason we are obeying is not because we're afraid of what will be done to us if we disobey, if my boss sees me not doing what he wants and then that's why I obey. No, I'm obeying because I truly am aligned with with them they tell me that this is their vision this is their what they want to do i am aligned with them even though i might disagree but i am aligned with them your goals are my goals what you want is what i want and so even when you're not physically present it is still what i want it is still what i want to do because this is i want to please the authority i want to please my parents i want to please the church i want to please god i want to do the thing that i have been called to do by the authority regardless of whether they are physically present to reward me or punish me Right. So even if they are not there, I will obey. Obedience while trusting in the parents' economy. Again, while I might not understand the reasons why the parents might ask me to do certain things, but I trust them. I trust that you are good. I trust that you are experienced. I trust that you are doing something for my good, so I will submit to it even without understanding. Right. And this is, again, something I think that our children in this current generation, it's lost Everything that is now about explain to me why. Why should this be done? Why are you asking me to do this? And I'm not saying that there's no value in explaining because we also want our children to understand how to think and how to, you know, reason about why we do certain things. So I'm not saying that it's wrong to explain. But that spirit of why, why, why all the time, like saying I will not obey you unless I am convinced, right, This is not the spirit of obedience. The spirit of obedience is, I will follow you no matter what. I will follow you even when I don't understand. And the child who's able to follow their parents even when they don't understand is able to follow God even when they do not understand. Right. So this is a very important one. And ultimately, as I said also, every obedience is obedience to God. Every obedience is obedience to God. It is not just obedience to the parents. God is the one who has ordained all authority. God is the one who has set up the authority. So when we obey the authority, we are actually um, obeying God. This is a good stopping point. Next time, God willing, we'll speak about what are the parents' responsibility to the children. And then after that, um, we will uh, move to the next commandment. Any final comments or questions? Yes. So it's important for us to differentiate between what is within the authority, like so for instance, if the government, I mean, the perfect example of this is when the people came to Christ and they asked him, do you pay taxes? And he said, what? He said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's, right? So he said, yes, pay taxes and he pay, he found, he told him go and catch a fish and there was a coin inside and he said, use this to pay the taxes, right? So what, what lesson is this teaching? If God himself paid the taxes, he's saying what? There is a certain sphere of, of authority that the government has that we must follow and obey, right? But there are some things that they might say contrary to the truth that we are not to obey, right? Meaning meaning what? Like if the if the government were to come to the church and say, for instance, unless you practice same-sex marriage, you are going to lose your Nonprofit status, and you're going to have to pay taxes because all the church benefits from the nonprofit status doesn't have to pay taxes, and this is a provision given to us by the government, right? As a as a nonprofit, so if the if the government were to come and say you must um, perform same sex marriage, okay, well we will say well our religious belief is that we don't believe in the same sex marriage, right? And this is directly a command of God, so if we were to do this, we would be disobeying God, right? So he said, so, so the, the, what we would do is say, no, we will not do it. Even if you, we were to lose our nonprofit status, we will not do it, okay? So here you see in one aspect we are obeying the government. Like we have to get permits when we build buildings. You know, we have to pay the taxes. You know, as individuals we pay taxes. You know, whenever you want to build like a, a church, you have all these rules that you have to follow. Like there are many things that we have to follow, right? Um, and so all of these things are obeying the government, whether we like it or not. Whether we look and say, well, all these permitting laws that you have to get permits is like excessive, and we don't like it. Whatever, no, you have to do it, all right? Um, so we do it. But if they were to come and then say, in addition to this, but there are certain things that are against the commands of God that you also have to do, we would say no, no matter what. Like there is no, there is no compromise with it. So it's important to separate what is really within the authority and what is against and is really only within God's authority, and we obey what they have the authorities for. Okay. Okay. We can pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O Lord, for this day. We ask for your blessing, and we ask, O Lord, that you instill within us a spirit of obedience and submission, so that we can, O Lord, submit to you, and submit to all the authorities that you have placed in our life, Not, O Lord, for the sake of those authorities themselves, but because any obedience to them is obedience and submission to you. We ask, O God, that you give us the spiritual strength during this coming great fast and that we benefit, O Lord, from the fast. And we learn, O Lord, the spirit of humility and spirit of submission and obedience and help us to grow, O Lord, in our prayer and reading and to draw closer to you and to feel your presence more deeply in our lives day by day. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray. Thankfully, our Father who art in heaven